Welcome along. It is the Nile Boylan Podcast, which you're right through for about the next 60 minutes or so. Don't forget, for the first week, we're on an air every single day, and we're happy to have you with you. Thank you very much, by the way, to the unbelievable response that we got to the first show yesterday. And we will be with you Monday to Thursday, every single day. So please, please don't forget to join us. Now, what we're going to get to is the sex education bill today. And the new Irish Sex Education Bill, Advancing Comprehensive and the Sexual Education Bill, and I'm looking at it here, the bill is at the final stage in the so-called Health Relationship Sex Education Bill 2021. And the introduction of the new Sex Education Bill marks a significant milestone in promoting comprehensive and inclusive sex education in Ireland, recognising the need for a modern approach to sex education. Now, the bill aims to equip young people with the accurate information to promote healthy relationships and foster a culture of consent and also highlights addressing topics like LGBTQ plus relationships, gender diversity and consent. And we will be talking about that and the Minister has said that Irish people will have the opportunity to opt their children out. Currently at the moment it's just going through the junior cycle stage but they will be advancing that towards the primary school stage as well where children as young as 8, 9 years of age will be given sex education and LGBTQ plus issues and also gender issues as well. Many parents saying they're not happy about that and they'd like to opt their children out. Now, the minister has said that is a possibility, and even the Taoiseach said that will be a possibility, but they could go back on that. But what I want to do is start the show off a little bit differently, because a law student who sued her university after it launched disciplinary investigations for saying, well, she said something really bad, you know, really horrendously horrible. It it must have been the most terrible thing in the world, actually, to say, you know, (laughs) to be investigated. She said women had vaginas. And she joins me on the line, Lisa Kyo from Scotland. Good evening, Doug. Good afternoon to you, Lisa. Hi, how are you doing? Lisa, let's take us back a little bit. And I, I'm not too sure whether at this stage you're tired telling this story because it's been all over the newspapers. And I know it's come to some sort of conclusion, which we'll get to in a second. But in relation to what happened to you, when did this all start? Um, right. I think, what are we on, 2023? I think it was two years ago now. Mm. Um I had to take a couple of subjects from my final law um, year and one of the subjects that was left available to me was gender, feminism and the law. So obviously I took that subject not knowing what to expect. I didn't know anything about um, feminism or anything like that. It's not in anything that I've ever followed. Mm-hmm. So I went along, obviously it was via Teams um, because we were still in lockdown and the lecturer had asked us to draw a picture of what we thought a feminist looked like. Um, I actually didn't because I had no idea. <laughs> um, I don't think any. It's a very unusual question. Do. What does a feminist look like? It looks like a woman, I suppose. Yes. Well, I suppose men can be feminists too. Uh, I don't know if we get male feminists now as well. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> um, and then when we went in, I've obviously got an interest in martial arts. Uh, my children do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. They compete um all over the uk with that so it was something that i did have an interest in and i was aware of the fallon fox fight so when we were talking about men competing against women i had said well you can't have uh, well they were talking about women competing against women and yeah not men but women in women's sports of course um, and i had said well you know you can't have biological males fighting um or competing against women it's not fair men have got a biological advantage um, I cited Particularly the if it's a physical, Fox it's fight. a physical sport. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, so, so I I cited the Fallon Fox fight, and I had said, you know, Fallon Fox actually smashed in the woman's skull in like thirty seven seconds. It was quite brutal, and that's because he's a man. He he is biologically a man, and they were like, no, no, that's a woman. And like, how would you define a woman? And I was like, well, a, a woman's somebody with a vagina that can give birth. 
Um, so obviously they're like, oh, so if you can't give birth, you're not a woman. If you're infertile, you're not a woman. If you've had cancer, you're not a woman. And I was like, well, no, obviously that's not true. Like, obviously you get infertile women, but the main characteristics to be a woman is someone that's born with a vagina ovaries and the reproductive system of a woman. Mm. Um, The capability of giving birth, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So basically it all kind of kicked off and it spiraled on like a week by week basis. So I think the following week I had, we were talking about, men being rapists and they had said that men should be locked up after six o'clock at night because they can't control themselves and i had said well no that's that's not a fair statement to make you can't say that all men are rapists Mm -hmm. yes you can yes you can i went well you've got brothers you've got fathers partners you just can't make a sweeping statement like that that's so sexist um at which point they kind of started like getting up and leery and you know I had said, look, I'm going to stop you here for a second. And I directed it at the lecture and I said to her, so if you're saying that all men are rapists, then it's fair for me to say that all Muslims are terrorists. And and she wouldn't answer me. And I said, now I'm not making a racist, not deliberately making a racist statement. That's not something I believe. But if I were to say that all Muslims are terrorists, then that would be a racist statement to make. Therefore, you saying all men are rapists is a a sexist statement. Sexist statement, yes. And she wouldn't take me up on that. She wouldn't answer the question. Um, swiftly moved on again um, it did get to the point where threats were made against my children I have two young boys at the wow. time um, so they're nine and eleven now so they would have and been who, who are making these threats was it you know kind of colleagues in the, in, in, the, in the class yeah yeah so the girls in the class they were making threats against my children um, obviously hindsight's great because they were like oh your boys they've got penises they deserve to get um, like jumped in the street they deserve to get attacked and obviously now I'm a bit further on and I know a lot more about how anybody can define as anything I feel like I probably would have said something sarky back like did you just misgender my children or whatever um <laughs> but i was just more annoyed at the fact that you know my children are innocent children and like say they're nine and eleven now so at the time they would have been probably mm. eight and ten i yeah. can't remember how long ago it was but it feels like it was forever ago um and they were just making threats against them saying horrible horrible things against them calling me a typical cis white girl because a I, cis white girl yeah I, i've been yes. called a cis male a cis i've been called a cis male i'm not a cis male i'm just a male i'm quite happy to be just a male well, after that lecture, I actually had to Google what cis meant because it wasn't a term that I had ever heard. Um, being a mature student, I obviously didn't go out drinking or anything with these girls. I didn't, like, you know, I'd come home after uni and take the kids, like, out of school and then take them to their after-school clubs and come mm. home and make tea. So it wasn't like I was in these circles. I didn't know these terms, um, which I'm I'm not regretful of. Um, I'm glad that I didn't associate with them because perhaps if I did, maybe I would have went down this weird rabbit hole that you get lady penis now um, mm. because that's essentially what they were saying. So they were saying that all men are rapists and I was like, so all men are rapists, but what about a man that wears a dress? Is he a rapist? Well, no, that's a woman. Oh, that's a woman. That's different, is it? Right, okay. He still, he still has a penis, but he's wearing a dress, so that must be a woman. Lady penis. So it's, it's uh, yes. a totally different kind of penis. Um, so yeah, this this did go on for a couple of weeks. It was quite vile. I actually wrote to the university. I sent them an email just telling them, you know, maybe we need a more conservative lecturer to take this class. Um, or I certainly a more like, balanced lecturer or somebody that's a bit yeah. more impartial. Yeah. Or even somebody to oversee it who was above the lecture that was taking the class. I explained in great detail what had happened to me um, when I dared say that women had vaginas, um, when I said that all men were not rapists, and when I said that men were stronger than women. 
I, I still, by the way, I can still see the headline in the newspaper at the time, you know, whatever. It was a woman investigated in Scotland because she said women have vaginas. And when oh. I seen that headline, I went, this, this is really something. If you brought that back in time about 50 years and handed it to somebody, they wouldn't believe you. They actually wouldn't believe you actually said, you know, or that you ended up being investigated because of that. Now, you kind of moving forward, you then decided you'd take a case against the university. Yeah, so for me, it was more to stand up to the big establishment because they put me through three and a half or two and a half months of hell. While I was doing exams, while I was doing my final dissertation, I had this case looming over me and it was a really, really stressful time. Obviously, I was still homeschooling at the time because the the schools were still closed with the pandemic. Um, It was just so much stress on me. I wasn't getting the support from my lecturers. I should have been getting with the dissertation. It felt like the whole university had washed their hands of me. I was, you know, I was it was a hard time. Like my other half, he was like bearing the brunt of my mood swings because one minute I was like, it's all going to be all right. Like this is going to go away. You can't investigate somebody for saying that women have got vaginas. But then the next minute I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to lose my degree. Is there any point in like continuing on with this? Even though it was only a couple of months left. Wouldn't that be so incredible that your education, your education would go down the drain just because you said women had vaginas. And as a woman saying that as well, by the way, that would be, that would be just a travesty if that had happened. Well, essentially it did. I feel like it essentially did. So, you know, I didn't lose the law degree. I did still get my degree, but nobody will employ me in the legal sector. And it's not because my views are wrong. It's because of the backlash that they worry that they'll get through employing me. And that's what I've been told from multiple people. So in effect, it has ruined my law uh, career. I studied all that time and I've got absolutely nothing to show for it other than a law degree on my CV, mm. um, which as time goes by, I'm, I'm less angry about. I was really angry at the time, but I'm still angry that the university have put me in that position and that they chased me for vexatious complaints and made me go to meetings and threatened me with losing my degree when I only had two months left to go. So I feel like somebody's got to stand up to these big establishments. And do you know what? Maybe it's not going to benefit me now because obviously my time has been and gone, but it will protect people in the future. But that's it. But that's where we're seeing all the wokeism, if that's what you call it, what to call it. It started off, of course, in the universities in America, and now it's moved to the universities of Europe. And of course, Nicola Sturgeon, most recently, she uh, came to a quite sudden end um, as the first uh, minister of Scotland over her, I suppose, her comments in relation to you know uh, biological men going into women's prisons who are identify as women. I mean, that was the, her downfall, really. So we, some people have just learned nothing from her downfall because that I, I would imagine. I mean. You watch Scottish politics more than I would. I imagine that was part of her downfall. I think that was definitely part of her downfall, to be fair. Um, the thing that really struck me was when she was asked, is Isla Bryson a man or a woman? Now, it was obvious Isla was a man. You could see his penis through his leggings and the photos. He was a biological man. His wife said that he was just playing everyone to get into a women's prison. And Nicholas Sargent answered, Isla Bryson is a rapist. Now, as far as I'm concerned, rapist isn't a sex. The only two sexes are male and female. Rapist doesn't fall into a no, sex. No, rapist is not so, a gender. No, no, it's not. Um, it doesn't fall into a sex category. Um, sorry, I don't really use the word gender. I try and use the word sex as much as possible. Um, just because I feel like when you use the word gender, there's like 100, I think, 97 genders mm. at present. According there to some is, people, yeah. <laughs> it, is definitely two biological sexes, which is why I'll um, try and avoid using the word gender. Um, 
just I'm not being difficult. No, 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 no. I know. I completely, I know. I completely understand, and I understand why people would say there's a confusion because either way, the way I think most people, you know, if we're looking from a factual point of view, you know, sex and gender are intrinsically linked, and and they always have been and always will be. Well, I remember when I was younger and at school, we wouldn't say the word sex because that was like a rude word, but we would say the word gender and gender just meant the same as sex. But now gender doesn't seem to mean the same as sex. You've got gender identity. And like, I mean, I was just reading in the, the newspaper actually like three days ago that you've got like these people um, that are now sexually attracted to airplanes and Marion Eiffel Towers. And I think like where where have we gone? Like how have things gone so wrong? Like, well, there was a, I think there was a woman in Utah or somewhere who married her laptop. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think there were, and somebody else I think wanted to marry a bridge. So I think the world has gone to a very strange place. And you know, you can identify as anything you want to identify. Now, whether people want to respect that identification is the question that's been asked all over the world. Whether we should have to respect it. For example, when school teachers are losing their job, only the other day in the UK, another school teacher lost her job. Now she was Christian because she refused to. Use use the they pronoun. Um, so she did come to an agreement where she said she wouldn't use any pronoun for the particular student, but seemingly that wasn't good enough for them. Uh, and uh, she lost her job because of it. So people are losing their jobs. This started off in the United States. So where where are you now? Because I, I'm assuming you took a legal case against them and, and you'd sold as you did. You'd taken an action against them. So where does that stand now, Lisa, with you? Have you, have you got justice yet? Not yet. This is going to be a very long, drawn-out process, I think. So we did um, go to a hearing and the judge dismissed the case on the grounds that I, I feel like he's not thoroughly read um, the legal points that we were making, so to speak. So he has said, you know, it's people are entitled to make complaints about other people, whereas my opinion is that, yes, you are entitled to make complaints about other people, but what they made complaints about was a protected characteristic of mine, even though I wouldn't say it is a protected characteristic. It's a belief that you only get biological males and females. Um, it would be the same as me putting a complaint in against somebody because I didn't like the colour of their wheelchair. So, oh, I am, you mm. know, complaining because Susie brings in the pink wheelchair to to work every day. That that wouldn't be a good complaint. That would be a completely vexatious complaint and it would be against her human rights. She is entitled to have a wheelchair in any colour wheelchair that she wants and she's protected by law under the like being of disabled. Yeah. So my views are protected by law um because it's classed as a, a protected characteristic. And now. what are they and what is their defense? Are they suggesting, you know, some sort of incitement to hatred? Are they suggesting, you know, that you are discriminating or what are they suggesting? They're suggesting that basically they had to follow the process of these complaints. But on the face of it, when you actually read the complaints, like I have read them time and time again, the complaints state Lisa made offensive and discriminatory remarks in class discussions. And then obviously you've got the page of remarks. So the offensive remarks were women have vaginas, men are stronger than women and not all men are rapists. Now, how no, but I think they're three factual statements. <laughs> they're three yeah. scientifically when factual the statements. Yes. When the university got that in front of them, they should have made a, a decision at that point. Is is this a complaint? Is this worth pursuing? No, it's not. Um, what they could have done, they could have done things different, was to get us in a room together and discuss what we thought and why they were offended by my thoughts. And... I think debate should have been opened there rather than dragging me through proceedings and ruining the last couple of months of my, my university exams. And, and your possible future career as well. Yeah, your possible yeah. future career too. 
I mean, you say now, obviously, you're well known in Scotland because you you were all over all the newspapers at the time, and not just in Scotland, the UK, and actually here as well. I, I did see your picture in the newspaper here over here at the time when it happened. So that, in turn, has obviously damaged your reputation. So I'm sure I'm assuming you're looking for reputational damage that they've done to you as well. Do you know what? I'm not. I'm just looking for, see, an apology. Had, had they apologised at the time mm. and basically taken back what they had said about me it would have been different but they didn't they they stamped on they made statements in the press and they kind of kept moving forward as to put me out to be the bad guy so yeah I I need to clear my name I need to clear my reputation but I think they should have just handled things different and a bit of acknowledgement and apology and to say yeah we could have handled this different we will not go after anybody else for this because this is going to happen time and time again people are losing their jobs all over the place because they've got the same I'm not going to say beliefs because it's not a belief that men and women are different that they've got the same opinion of me as me well I mean there, there's no there's no doubt in the statement that men and women are different I mean although some people will have you believe that they're not um, but there is no doubt that it's a scientific fact um, in relation to sex education that's what we're going to be talking about today and after your obviously experience I think sex education is really important that we do know the difference between men and women because it seems to be a question that politicians are stumped by nowadays if you really want to stump a politician anywhere in the world there was one only recently here was asked you know on the street one day by a reporter what is a woman and he, he actually couldn't answer. This is an intelligent man. He couldn't answer the question. He started to get all flummoxed and he started saying, well, different people identify. He said, that's not what I'm asked you. What is a woman? They just don't want to seem to answer this question. It, it seems to me like the simplest question in the world. And I, I put up on Twitter one day, actually, and somebody said to me, that's a stupid question. It's like saying, what is a dog? Well, I said, I'll answer that. It's a canine with four legs and fur. I said, do you want me to answer it in another way? So, but why do people have this difficulty answering that question? Is it fear? I would say it's fear and it's, it's a really silly fear because I think I would go out on a limb and say probably about 97% of the population know what a woman is, but it's a tiny little small minority that will make your life hell and try and cancel you if you don't go along with their, a woman as anybody that feels like a woman kind of uh, mantra. So I definitely think it's fear. They're, they're scared of the backlash and they're scared of losing their careers. But I think once they actually get, you know, the backbone to say yeah a woman is like an adult human female someone born with a vagina someone that's got the reproductive organs as of a woman and i think when mm. more people start saying that then this silly fad and that is all it is this silly fad will die off see what what what, what really flummoxes me is that women have fought for rights for over a hundred years uh, the right to vote uh, the right to be equal in society the right to be paid the same the right to be recognised in, in employment you know the right to the same opportunities they fought for these rights so hard and it almost when I watch it recently and I watch women defending say a biological male in a women's sport which is quite obviously an unfair advantage in, a, in say a particular sport you know and, and they defend the biological male uh, who identifies as a woman they but they will defend them uh, and I'm saying did you not are you not the same woman who fought for women's rights are you not the, the same woman who told me you were a feminist and I just find that mind-blowing mm -hmm. I think Sharon Davies she does a lot of them um, speaking on this Olympic swimmer and I think she's great. She's one of the only people that's vocal and has put her head above the parapet and speaks about it. And she's passionate about it. Like if you look at Leah Thomas, like he is blatantly a man. He was always going to win that swimming um, tournament mm -hmm. against the young girls. And it's happening more and more now. You've and it's so like unfair, isn't it? On young girls who spend their whole lives from college or whatever it is, you know, you know, competing and trying to, you know, do the best they possibly can in sport. 
only to be beaten by somebody who is a man who may not have actually who if they continued being a man and not identifying as a woman probably wouldn't have done quite as well at all actually because they were probably the not the best male swimmer in uh, on the scene but but in saying that so where do we go with sex education because we are going to be just discussing sex education so just before you go I wanted to ask you where we're going with sex education I mean the sex education bill here in Ireland is going to change over the next few years whether it's going to be more inclusive and include LGBT, LGBTQ plus although I know they're adding letters to it all the time and and obviously the fact that there are more than two genders um, if you had well you do have children um, are you concerned about say your children in primary school or going into secondary school in relation to sex education I am so my oldest son we've obviously spoken and he he started getting sex education in primary one so he would have been about five but it wasn't anything too too much it was enough that I was uncomfortable but not enough to pull him out because I thought if his friends are all learning about it, he's going to get secondhand information. So he was learning about breastfeeding and things. Now he knows what full penetrative sex is. Um, I took the decision to speak to him on his own before he learned about it in school. And I said, mm. look, mum can speak to you about it. I can tell you what the teachers are going to say. And then that way you've kind of got heads up. So he does know the basics. He's away going to high school in a couple of months. And, and I think um, to be fair with young children nowadays, they, they have the disadvantage, I would say, that we didn't have of the internet, et cetera, et cetera. Although yeah. you're a bit younger than me, Lisa. But certainly we, we didn't have it. The best we had was, you know, one of your mates was in London and bought a porn magazine. But, yeah. but so <laughs> realistically nowadays, children are learning a little bit quicker. They have more knowledge than we have about these things. And it is fair that they get a basic level of understanding before they start off in secondary school otherwise they're going to left out, be left out but the idea that maybe they're being told you know at five or six years of age well look if you don't want to be a boy you don't have to be or if you don't want to be a girl you don't have to be do you do you accept that because the reason they say it is because we, we don't want children to grow up being judgmental I absolutely don't accept this at all. So my children have been told, you know, there's two sexes, there's boys and there's girls. If a boy has long hair and wants to dress up in fancy clothes, that's fine. It doesn't mean he's a girl. It maybe means that, you know, he's a bit flamboyant. Maybe he's going to end up gay. Or if a girl cuts her hair and starts wearing boys clothes, that's absolutely fine. It doesn't stop her being a girl. You can only get boys and girls. But in Scotland... I know that teachers were encouraged at one point because I spoke to a couple of teachers. They were encouraged if a child went to them saying that they, like Susie felt like a a Dave, that they would start calling them Dave at school and they wouldn't tell their parents. And for me, that is so disgusting. The the people that, well, that's that, happening quite a lot. Happened here too, by the way, in relation to parents weren't notified that a child had changed their gender in school and wanted a new pronoun, which I, th- I think is quite devastating, to be honest with you. It's Le- disgusting because we protect our children from predators, and predators are the kind of people that will say to your children, right, we don't have to tell your parents about this. Yeah, it's this a little can be our little yeah. secret. And that, for me you're taking trust away from the parents and the children. The, ch- the child is then going to confide in a teacher more than their parent. And how do we safeguard our children if, if they think they can just go to the teachers? Like we, I always said to my boys, like if anybody ever like tries to touch you or makes you feel uncomfortable, you tell mum and mum will fix it. And even now, like like I say, my oldest son, he'll be 12 this year. He's, he's obviously not at a point where he's going to have sex, but I've went over consent with him. You know, they do it younger and younger. It doesn't make it right. And I I said to him, like, he's got to be 16. Whether he listens to me or not, he's going to be a hormonal boy. I don't know. But I've always said, you know, if a girl says no, that means no. Even if you're at a point where you don't want to stop and she says no, 
that means no. But likewise for you, if you say no, she's got to respect that as well. It works both ways. And I think that's the best we can do. We can try and bring our children up, but it's so important that like you have that open communication with your children because if you don't and your child does start feeling like, oh, you know what? I've started to like pink all of a sudden. Maybe, maybe that means I'm a girl. I would rather my child came and spoke to me and I could say to them, look, it's all right to like pink. It's okay to like pink. It's okay for a little girl to buy an action man if that's what she wants to do or buy a digger. That's fine. I mean, I don't well, I had action men when I was a child. I, I grew up to be a mechanic. Um, yeah. So I was like the most tomboy person under like the my sun. own My own son when he was four. My own son when he was four years of age insisted I bought him an ironing board and an iron for Christmas. So, so uh, they, they, they don't have to blend into stereotypes. Absolutely. You know, my always got a kitchen a couple of Christmases ago because he <laughs> wanted it. And it, you know what? What's wrong with a little boy having a kitchen? Nothing. Lisa, it's been lovely talking to you again, and I wish you well, by the way, and you, I know you, you have a legal battle ahead of you still, and I wish you well, and I hope it goes well for you, and thank you very much once again for talking to us, Lisa Kyo. Thank you for having me. I'll see you later. Okay, thank you. Uh, there you go, uh, Lisa Kyo, who, of course, was dragged through the courts, or is being dragged through the courts, certainly, all because she said women had vaginas. Now, by the way, the way children are advancing in education, and that's what we want to talk about today, sex education. And all you got to do, by the way, if you want to WhatsApp or text and you want to get involved in the show is 085-122-55. That's 085-122-55. In the meantime, by the way, we were talking about sex education and what children are reading nowadays. Sharon Kyogen recently in the Oireachtas, just before I go into the break, Sharon Kyogen and said, uh, have a listen to what she said in the Oireachtas. You may uh, have seen some of the work done last month by the Irish Women's Lobby, who took a deep dive into some of the reading material that's been recommended by school children by the NCCA, the National Council for Curriculum and Assessment. While many books seemed innocent and helpful enough, a few other entries jumped out, notably one book which offers detailed instruction on manually bringing men to sexual climates anal sex and oral sex with accompanying childish cartoons. The book, This Book is Gay, is written by James Dawson, is aimed at the junior cycle and informs children as young as 12 that perhaps the most important skill you will master as a gay or bi man is the timeless classic, The Handjob. There you go, the timeless classic, The Handjob. Anyway, that's the kind of thing they want children to read about at a very young age. Maybe you think that's okay. Let me just know what you think. The number, as I said, if you want to WhatsApp us right now and get involved in the show is 85 After the break, I'm going to talk to Clarity Mills, who is an educator as well when it comes to adults in sex, and get her take on sex education in Ireland just after this break. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube, and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085-100-2255. The Niall Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms. Yeah, they told me to shut up. Let me go to Clarity Mills. Clarity Mills is a sex educator, but more so for adults, not for children. Clarity, good afternoon to you. Hi, Niall. Hi, Yeah, Clary, you've been listening to, I don't know whether you were listening to what most of what Lisa said. She's from Scotland. She was all over the papers because she was told to identify what a woman was and she said women have vaginas. She's now being investigated because she said that. Um, look, it's a very strange and different world we live in. They want to update the sex education in this country, the curriculum, the RSE curriculum, to include transgender, LGBTQ+, and not to be heteronormative. Uh, is that acceptable, say, at a primary school level? Yeah, so the the rule of thumb is that there's always a correct way to educate children, starting from literally zero to three years old. 
about sex, sexuality, genitalia, um, health issues related to sex, sexual orientation is a little bit later, closer to 12 years old, 12, and then 16 and onwards is more deeper and serious conversations about STIs, porn, you know, issues that affect those different age demographics. But usually starting from like at the crush age and going up to primary school, talking about genitalia and also talking about consent in the medical and dispassionate terms is recommended to be best practices. And there's lots of studies that actually demonstrate that the younger children are educated about uh, sexual health in general and, and awareness, the less likelihood they are to be preyed on by child predators, the less likely they are to be recruited into child porn rings, and the less likely they are to be assaulted as a young person. I, I, so there's all these really great statistics. Yeah, but I, I have no issue. I have no issue with a yeah. child, you know, being educated into, you know, depending on the age, obviously in an age-appropriate fashion into, you know, Mm -hmm. what consent is all about, you know, and, you know, your private parts and all that kind of stuff and, you know, feelings that you might have, you know, and I've no issue with all that. But where parents have an issue is they say, well, I don't want my little Johnny, who's seven years of age, being told that if he wants to be Mary, that he can be Mary. I don't want my little Johnny or Mary being told, you know, there's 190 genders or whatever the latest figure happens to be. I don't want them told that they can identify as anything they want. I want them told that there is men and women. And look, when they get to secondary school and they can have a little more thought process and they're a little bit more logical, well, then, look, we can go down those avenues. And we can certainly, by the way, suggest that we shouldn't be judgmental against other people who identify as different genders or whatever it happens to be. But the idea that you would be instilling that in very young children, does that not confuse children? Do children not have enough to deal with because their minds are just rampant with information, you know, at that, they're like sponges. Do they not have enough to without confusing them and all that sort of stuff? So, I mean, if you look at the purpose of education is to prepare young people for the world, right? That's what we're trying to do. So making their education as reflective of the world that they live in serves them ultimately. Now, I would caveat that with always saying that there's always an age-appropriate way to do it. So I just recently looked at, reviewed, um, a friend of mine is overhauling the sex education curriculum in primary school in uh, the state of Florida, and I have another friend doing the same thing in the UK and Ireland. And they were sharing some of the materials. And so when they talk about, like, gay marriage or trans or whatever, like, for younger ages, starting from the first year, you know, going onwards, is, is like, it looks like a children's book, and it's like a constellation of, you know, there's the purple male stick figure with the orange stick figure and you're like it's not about uh what their gender is it's not grooming it's just information but that, you but you listen to hey, the wording from that book i mean that book that sharon kyogen <laughs> senator sharon kyogen was talking about the eroctus which is being recommended to children by the way and i know there's a big hoo-ha about it at the moment because it's in libraries you know in the 12 section but it talks about anal yeah. fisting. It talks about, you know, pleasuring yourself and bringing <laughs> yourself to climax and hand jobs and all sorts of things that you don't want your 11-year-old discussing. Or, you, you know, you just don't want them talking about that kind of stuff or you don't want them knowing about that kind of stuff. I mean, there's no 12-year-old needs lessons on anal fisting. I mean, realistically, let's be clear about that. <laughs> I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, I would, I, would, I, would, I would definitely separate out acts. So, for example the recommendation and best practices by child psychologists is to start talking about masturbation at a very young age, which is sometimes it feels good to touch yourself because young children masturbate. They do. They self-pleasure. Mm. Oftentimes, actually, the more broken the home, the more likely they are to self-pleasure because it's a self-soothing. There's a weird, there's an interesting study about that, actually, that I was recently reading. So, like, you need to talk about the whole, my 
whole philosophy is that we always have to get in front of the argument. We want to tell kids about porn before they're watching porn. We want to tell kids. Yeah, about okay. So I'm thinking the age. What's the age then? Well, I mean, according to research recently, the average child at the age of 12, I think they said something like 50% of them had seen porn. By the time they get to 13, probably 80% of them. But like seven and eight year olds yeah. are not looking at porn. And if they are, you're a bad parent. No. Yeah, definitely. Agreed. And I mean, I would also like to caveat that in my dream world, parents would be having these discussions. But the ineptitude, at, like especially in a Catholic country like Ireland, is still dealing over like the, the the lack of knowledge and education in the adults, in mm. the parents is astonishing. So in order to have a groundwork, I, I think actually the biggest thing about sexual education is truly about protecting children. And what I mean by that is you know, without freaking them out, being like, there are some times, there are some bad people in the world and we need to stay away from them. This is the reason why we stay away from these websites. This is the reason why if somebody asks you... I don't think anyone disagrees with that. We don't do that. Yeah, but I don't think anyone disagrees with that. But when we look at the updated bill to include all of this stuff, and it also, it it mentioned, I can't remember where I read it, go back some time ago, they want to move away from what they call heteronormative. Now, heteronormative, Mm. to explain very briefly, would be if the teacher is telling a story. So it would be within the ethos of the school. So if the teacher is telling a story, you know, about, you know, a family, you know, you don't turn around and you say, you know, mom, dad and children. You say, you know, the parents. Like, there's no such thing as mom and dad anymore. There's no such thing as, oh, boys and girls. You don't say boys and girls anymore. You say kids. Or, by the way, I find this bonkers. I mean, I'm I'm really living in a world where we're afraid to actually call somebody a girl. A school teacher in America was shafted, fired, because she said, good morning, girls. In a girls' school, an all-girls' school. She said, good morning, girls. Yeah. And one of the two students took offense to it because they said they were identified as non-binary or something like that. That the, She was reprimanded. She was investigated. Because she wouldn't retract it and apologize, she was fired. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I think there's a part of education that needs to, hap- that, that needs to happen on both the left and the right. And I think we also need to refocus what the real enemy is. And what I mean by the real enemy, it's it's... I, again, I, as I stated before, it's the children getting preyed upon and children getting... Oh, no, 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 and I agree. I, know, I, know, I agree with that whole yes. part of what you said about making, yeah. preparing children for the dangers of life. Absolutely. You know, be it porn yeah. or be it whatever it is. But I yeah. think too much information kind of sometimes is also dangerous too. But uh, Clarity, just stay there for a second because I want to go to James. Uh, James, you're an Ireland's classic. It's, oh, James, how are you doing? You're on the Loud Boiling Podcast. That's as far as I have it. That will take me months to get out of. Uh, James, you're on the Loud Boiling Podcast. How are you? <laughs> Afternoon tonight, yeah, I will take you a while to get out that <laughs> I know, I know. Even the phone number is difficult for me to remember all the time. Anyway, James, in relation to, you know, sex education for children in schools, now this sex education bill is only a junior cycle at the moment, but it will come into primary school. And already, by the way, we are seeing aspects of it creep into primary school, which we will see more so in September for the new year. Um, but, I mean, are you happy, that you know, for young children or even your secondary school children, I know you have, um, would you be happy enough for them to, to learn about that kind of stuff? No, Niall. Um, actually, while you, while you brought it up, my son, son school, about four weeks ago, actually had something in the school, but the school sent out a notice to say they were going to be discussing this in the school, and this is what they were going to be discussing. So basically, my son, my 11-year-old son is in an all-boys school, and what they were basically doing was they were basically preparing boys for puberty. So saying, look, when you go over the age of 12 or 13, these are what happens, these are the changes to your body, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. But that was ran by the parents. And yeah. they basically said to the parents, look, if you have an issue with the, the, the school teaching their children basic male biology, which is exactly what it was, 
you can take your child out for that them two hours that they did it. I had no problem with that now because they were saying to my 11-year-old son, it was a, a care nurse from the, the HSC, was saying to my son, look, when you reach the age, now I've already had this chat with him, so he knows, you know, when you reach the age of 12, these are the changes to your body, this is what could happen to you, you know what I mean, this is, your voice will change, so on and so forth. Mm. That was telling him because he is a boy, you know what I mean? Now, if, if they turned around and said to him, okay, when you reach the age of 14, if you want to be a girl, that's okay. If they said that to my son, the principal will find herself probably in the, in the, as quickly as, as we get her into court now. I would, if I want to teach my children on issues of transgenderism or that boys can become girls and girls become boys, which they can't, um, that's your that's view, down to you? me to teach them. Yeah. That's, that's my job as a parent, as, as a father, my wife's and, and, job as a parent. And by the way, you're, you're, you're a good parent uh, and, and I'm sure your wife is a good parent as well, right? But we have to take into consideration, and this is the counter-argument I'm giving you that maybe Clarity will give you too, that we don't always have good parents in society. You know, some no, parents are, are very blasé when it comes to this kind of stuff. Some parents are afraid to talk to their children about sex. And, you know, as much as you may or may not agree with the fact that, you know, people identify as different things, and I think a lot of people don't agree with it, but are afraid to say anything. But the thing about it is, it exists in the world. So when you have a child that doesn't accept that because their parents told them, listen, that's nonsense, that's absolute nonsense, well, then they're judgmental. And I suppose their argument is we want to take away, take away the judgment. Okay. If, if, if one, I'll take my oldest child, now, she's 15. If she came to me tomorrow and said, me, Dad, I want to be a boy, I'd say, okay, the answer is no. Now, if you, she turns around to me three years later when she's 18 and says, me, Dad, I want to be a man, I'd say, okay, you're now an adult. I will support you in your decision. I will help you as much as I can. I will not be happy about it, but she would be an adult now, and then she would be making an adult decision. When What they seem to be trying to do now is saying to children, 14, 14, 15-year-olds, you can change your gender. When you can't change your gender now, you're born a male, you're born a female, or there is the intersex, which is like, very rare. Minuscule and, and the majority well, of intersex are actually born male. But but sorry, let me get back to clarity on that point. Clarity, yeah. okay, so James's view is if his child comes to him and says, I want to be oh. a boy tomorrow, his little girl, he's going to say, well, no, you're not. So be quiet and get back to putting on your dress again. So in other words, he doesn't accept it at all. That is the view of many parents, Clarity, and they believe that this whole gender thing, which has exploded over the last few years, is basically a social contagion. It's not biological. It's not, you know, mental illness or anything like that. It's a social contagion. Hmm. Yeah, and I understand. I mean, it does sound like he's very invested in, like, an excellent parent and to his children. But as you mentioned before, that's unfortunately not as common as it ought to be. And I think it is the prerogative of every parent to educate their children with instilling the beliefs that they have. Um, what I would say when we talk about education, so, for example, in the United States, we put in and made mandatory LGBTQ conversations at the secondary school level, mandatory in most states around uh, the mid-2000s. And the reason why is it became so appallingly obvious because so many young children came in with same-sex parents. And so it was like, wait, we're telling all this story about, you know, Mary and John. What about, you know, Mary and Larry, like, or Larry and John, you know, like, how yeah. does this work out? And so it became to get in front of the narrative. And I think that's what educational resources are trying to do, which is that there are going to be transgender individuals who have children in those schools eventually mm -hmm. on a long enough timeline. It's going to happen. 
So educate there. I think there's a but, way but, to but I, I used an analogy. I used an analogy many years yeah. ago. There are, for example, when I was in school, before we start talking about sex education and before we start talking about LGBTQ plus issues, when I was in school, there was a kid whose father died very young. Okay. But this teacher still did turn around every day and said, you know, don't forget and talk to your mams and dads. So she didn't change the narrative in the class or the language in the class to suit that one child whose father sadly had passed away. In other words, you don't change language and a narrative just to suit somebody because somebody in the class decided they don't know what sex they are or what gender they are. Uh, you know, you just you can't or, you know, or they may be trans or whatever it happens to be or they may be gay or whatever. You don't change it. Why, why would you want to change language? I mean, this idea that the HSE are changing language to chest feeders and persons who are pregnant. I had a reputable doctor on the air who I've spoken to so many times and she turned around on the air. She was talking to me about pregnancy. We were talking about menopause and, she's, and she used the term persons who are pregnant. I've never heard her use that term before, but she's just falling yeah. into line. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And I understand that there's a lot of virtue signaling. I think both sides need to take a deep breath. Gender actually is, gender is not, a biological is uh, sex, which is X, based on how many X and Y chromosomes you have. And it's actually, that's also a spectrum. So there are people who have X, Y, Y, X, Y, X. And it can vacillate wildly. And gender is a social construct. During the Victorian era, pink was the color for boys, blue was the color for girls. It switched in the 1920s. That's a construct. So what I mean by that is constructs change over time. And it's the job of education. But, to but, but hold on, but it's sex. But you're saying that gender is a construct, a, a social construct, right? But I mean, mm -hmm. gender and, and sex are intrinsically linked and always have been. We're fools to deny yeah. that. They are, but what, we, what I mean to say is what is masculine and what is feminine. Because so that's what, in essence, what we're talking about is masculine traits, feminine traits, little boys, little girls play with Barbies, little boys play with diggers. Those well, that's okay. I don't. I don't care if a little boy. Yeah, if a little boy wants to wear pink, or if he wants, or if a little girl wants to play with action men, I don't. Couldn't care less. But that doesn't mean. Yeah. I mean, I, I gave a stupid analogy many years ago, and somebody complained at the radio station about it. I said, when I was nine, I wanted to be the Hulk. My father didn't take me out, spray me green, and inject me with steroids just to make me happy. So, in <laughs> other words, you know, if a little boy comes to you and says, "Ma'am, you know, I maybe he has two older sisters," and he says, "I want to be a girl," he might that, he might be just saying, "I want to be like my sisters." You know, that doesn't mean you run out to pennies and get him a dress. You know, and this is what, so unfortunately, with some parents, not all, this is what's happening. We're pandering it too, too quickly. Well, I want to get back to the sex education in schools. And let me, if I can, just go mm. to Senator Ronan Mullins. Uh, Senator Mullins, good evening to you. Or good afternoon, should I say. Hey, good afternoon, Niall. Thanks for having uh, me on. Getting back to sex education in schools. Now, the, the new sex education bill, of course, at the moment is only at junior cycle level. But, of course, we will be moving on to primary. And we're already seeing, I suppose, the ethos of it creep into primary schools. And we probably will see more so in September. Um, do you accept the new bill? And should parents be allowed to opt out of it? Yeah, well, I think it's more than just what allowing parents to opt out. I think even that language which we've heard from the minister lately, oh, you know, in whatever new that's coming, parents will be allowed to opt out. Well, that's really a strategy to isolate parents, you know, by saying you, you, you can be the odd one out if you have concerns about what's being taught in their school, even if it's based on ideology, even if it's not um, uh, evidence-based, even if you think that it might undermine your child's normal developmental um, sexual identity by, by introducing you know, confusion and complexity uh, at a time when the, the, a child should be nurtured and, and, and not exposed to confusion and, and, and complexity. I think what, what, you know, if parents of primary school children think at this stage 
that the state has their best interests at heart as primary uh, educators. I think they're very much mistaken because what we are seeing at the moment is an an overly centralised state approach to education. I say this as a member of the Oireachtas Education Committee, backed up by NGOs who are often very faceless, who don't come out uh, and explain or defend their position in debate um, like what's happening on your show now. Um, You have a pretense of consultation with parents every now and again, they'll have a consultation and people will express their views, uh, parents, teachers, other members of the public. But the apparatus of state still drives on. So, for example, you had the, the recent discussion at, at secondary mm. level about how after protests, uh, the idea that they would require at junior cycle level that it would be taught that gender is a spectrum. Now, they've pulled in their horns on that particular point. Uh, and, and, of course, the interesting thing is, of course, that the resources that the NCCA, the National Council for Curriculum and Assessment, who are you know, pushing the new curriculum, uh, those resources would now be inappropriate in the light of that concession, at least by the government, that they're not going to. So what you have is um, a, a, a push from the state that is backed up as I said, by NGOs, it seems to be very ideological. So notions, for example, that sex is binary, um, references to boys and girls, to fathers and mothers. The people who are driving our education policy at the moment are uncomfortable with that kind of normal language. Uh, okay, th- their argument, Roland, is, and their counter-argument yeah. is, and not that I would agree with it, but their counter-argument is that, look, you do have children in the class who identify as non-binary or trans or may have gay parents or same-sex marriage parents, so we have to take everybody into consideration, so let's use generalised language like parents, let's use generalised language like we've been reading in the HSC lately, instead of breastfeeding, chest-feeding, persons who get pregnant, uh, people with vaginas, people with penises, uh, rather than using terms man, woman, mother, father. uh, They believe this is more inclusive language. Do you accept that? I accept that they believe that it's more inclusive, but the problem is it isn't just their desire to be kind to all children. There is an ideological push around sexuality, and they want children to experiment with all of these ideas. And, um, you know, so for example... Even the, the, the term transgender, you know, it, the, the science is far from clear on what any of this means. But what we do know is there's some evidence that this is something that's very often a phase that children uh, are going through, maybe not always. Um, what we, 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 we do know is, and this was pointed out recently by the Catholic Primary School Managers Association, who worried about it being pushed that genderism, transgenderism would be taught in primary school. And it's interesting to see the reaction to what was actually a very carefully worded letter uh, by Seamus Mulconry of the, of the Catholic Primary School Managers Association. I'd say to anybody listening who has a prejudice against religion or a prejudice against Catholicism, park that on this issue, because these people are on your side. If what you believe in is the right of a school to determine how to teach values about these things in consultation with parents, as opposed to having the state driving it from the centre and insisting on certain kinds of language, which to my mind sounds very totalitarian and is not 
a healthy okay. approach what, to what, democracy. Whatever anyway. We don't need a H. We don't need a HSE for education. Is what I'm no, saying. No, we certainly don't. Um, well, well, whatever about whatever about secondary school level. Uh, you know, up to junior start. I think children are a bit more logical and a better understanding of what they believe is right and wrong yes. at that stage. Anyway, but at primary yes. school level, when a child is seven or eight or even younger, possibly, do you think it's acceptable for a school teacher to refer to say a child or to tell a child that it's okay if you want to be a boy or a girl if you're not indeed a boy or a girl? Uh, do you believe that's acceptable for a school teacher to say that, or would you take if it was your children, Ronan, would you take them out of that class? What I believe is, and again, this is why I mentioned the Catholic Primary School, it's the Primary Managers Association who, who spoke, for example, about, they, they pointed to statistics in the UK where the incidence of gender dysphoria uh, over the years has, has risen, risen massively. Well, we've they seen it's a social risk, contagion, isn't it? Yeah, they talked about a risk of psych- psychological con- contagion. They talked about social transmission. And it was very interesting that Monine Griffiths of Belong To, which would be one of these activist organizations that, that seem to have the ear of government, all said, oh, that word contagion is problematic. So my, they don't want people to have the debate, even when the debate is facts. And that's okay. classical woke culture. It's about getting to the political end. The facts don't matter. And you, de- and you denigrate your opposition instead of engaging okay. with their argument. So I would have a problem with ideology coming into to the primary school setting in that way. Of course, we would expect all our schools, and they do, to treat every child with respect, to ensure that every person is respected. That no should a teacher, by the way, Roland, characteristic just, just finally before you go, should a teacher uh, be forced to recognise a child's uh, preferred gender, i.e. if a child wants a they pronoun, should a teacher be forced, as we've seen last week in the UK, another teacher was fired because she wouldn't refer to a child, it was a Christian teacher, wouldn't refer, refer to a child as a they pronoun, agreed not to use any pronoun, but the school wouldn't accept that. Uh, do you believe that teachers should have to adhere to that policy? No, no I don't, because when you're talking about te- respect is one of the core things you teach in school, and that involves respect for every person, but it also means respect for the truth. So like, if it comes to a child wanting to be known by a different name, that's one thing. But language around pronouns are, you know, requiring you know, rules that, let's say, let, let biological males use girls' bathrooms or, you know, the whole area of sports where biological males can play in women's sports, whether in a school or another setting. All of that kind of stuff exposes children to, to danger in one way or another. And I, I think what is more appropriate is that there is insistence on respect for the per- each person in the school. But I do think schools should be working to try and reinforce children in their normal sexual identity rather than introducing okay. confusion into their lives. Listen, thank you very much indeed, Senator Ola Mullen. Thank you for coming on the air. Thank you. Uh, let me go to, I want to go to Carl Dieter as well. Uh, Carl, you're on Ireland's, Carl, you're on the Nile Boylan podcast. <laughs> Carl, How are you getting on? I'm, I'm getting on fine. Just, I'm just struggling to remember the name of my own show. That, that's probably the only thing I'm getting on. Anyway, Carl, in relation to this, I mean, you had an issue yourself only recently in relation to, I suppose, education in school and what children should and shouldn't be taught in school. Yeah, well, I guess, I, I mean, I suppose I, I come at it from a different perspective, really thinking that, you know, I, I think that there's kind of age-appropriate education. Yeah, I, I, mean, uh, I have a son who's 10. He, um, you know, he uh, he came home and he told me he was he was learning about and about bullying today, and lesbian and gay and being trans. And I was like, okay. And uh, like, I'm all about the anti-bullying, in particular in primary schools, because Absolutely. it's really lot. important. Yeah, I think that that's really appropriate education, and because it happens in schools, I think that uh, it's appropriate to teach that within the schools. Uh, I think that that being 
gay or lesbian, again, you know, is it is school at that age the best place to learn about these things? I don't know. Um, he does have a friend, uh, one of his best friends has two moms, and he's learned about that within a kind of a family unit setting. And so that happened quite, in you know, in a, a very rational way that he adapted to. And he asked mm. me about that, like, you know, why has he got two moms and why have I got a mom and dad and he doesn't? And so that's an opportunity for me to explain those things. And, and, and to see to see children growing up in that setting, a loving setting, I, I really do think that, that a family is the ultimate unit in a society. And so that's the best place for some of these things to be learned. And um, the being trans piece is something that kind of caught me off guard because like, well, you know, that's like a, a, it's a new, a newer thing, at least newer in terms of it becoming more and more talked about, more and more uh, visible and, and the number of people identifying as trans growing quite rapidly. And um, so when I look at that, I think, you know, that's, I see that as being kind of slightly different than being say gay or lesbian, because that's something that I believe is inherently within you. Now, people it's say a sexual well, orientation, of course. Is, yes. Is, yeah, but being trans is tra- being trans is not a sexual orientation. No, it's not. You. It, it is a it is a decision that you make of how you wish to portray yourself to the world. Yeah, you don't identify and, as gay or decide to be gay or yeah. Whereas when when it comes to being trans, it's something it's a feeling or something you identify as. Yeah, so it, it, it's more of an identity rather than sexuality, and you know. I just I think that for for what I said at the time, am I allowed to mention the the person that he still believes in? I don't know if his podcast is. I don't know who's <laughs> going to listen to this. So, um, but so look, the 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 point is, you know, he hasn't even figured out what his willy is for, and then you have people saying that yeah. maybe that's not actually you know what he is, and so I just I I find that a little bit confusing as to why that has to be that element of it has to be taught in schools because. You well, know, I suppose their, their argument, Carl, is, and it's not that I agree with their argument, but their argument is that there are parents out there who are not very good at talking to their children. So the schools and the state believe that we have a duty and a responsibility, by the way, which we voted for in a referendum going back about five years ago when we gave the state more rights over our children than we actually have as yeah, parents. Yeah, no, but when you, when you say we voted for, we voted for people who put that legislation through. I don't remember voting for this. Well, I voted no, actually, just out of interest. I, and, and by the way, I encouraged other people at the time to vote no, too, because I don't think people fully understood but, it. But, but, the, but the, the usual thing that occurs is, is that people say, oh, well, this is a reality, so you have to teach it. But for instance, I would have a massive issue if my son went into school today and was given an extensive talk on abortion. Um, you know, I would say to myself, well, you know, I voted in favour of the... Well, that's amendment. coming in 2025, I believe, as um, part of the um, bill. Yeah, but this is the point. Is, that they know, will I be have, saying, well, they will be saying to children at a young age, the termination of pregnancy in an age-appropriate fashion, I imagine, uh, will be is available. You know, if little girls get pregnant or if girls get pregnant. So, like the the, the the thing is that you know, I'm not saying that people shouldn't know it exists. I just don't know if schools and very young kids is the, is the place for that to be to be you know put into into their minds. Like. Not every, like, this is the thing, because we have an education system, doesn't give the education system unending scope to reach into the lives of your children and teach them all sorts of different things. What's, what's, like, yeah, but what's confusing like, me more, Carl, is... What, that... I, what constitutes an education, in my mind, is to create well-rounded, in terms of the learned knowledge of traditional subjects, and, and not well-rounded as in knowing every single piece of, uh, you know, sexual identity. That's not really, for me, what the education system is about. And so I guess 
maybe I just don't fit right with what, what the world is, is saying that they yeah, need. But, but I also think... But, but Kyle, what's confused me more is that anytime I talk about these issues, or if I put it up on Twitter, or if I put it up on Facebook, the vast majority of people hold the same view as you. Which is, by the way, a reasonably non-judgmental view, but in saying that you have your own moral values, right? But yes, when we see the vast majority of people saying no, the same when we talked about hate speech yesterday, and the vast majority of people don't want this new legislation, don't believe it's necessary, believe it's, you know, a hammer to crack a nut. But yes, the government are motoring ahead with it anyway, because we have NGOs in this country which are very highly funded by the state and the taxpayer, who are quite powerful lobbyists. So you've got all the LGBTQ plus uh, NGOs, which were very powerful, and, and they insist that this be thought at school against the wishes of many parents. I'm not saying all, but many parents. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. I mean, like my whole thing about kids is that like, I, I think that love is just a wonderful message for them to, to, to hear yeah. and to learn about. And I'm not against love. I'm not against any of those things. Uh, but I just think that there are certain aspects of what we're, we're teaching. And the message isn't really about teaching them about love and respect. It's about putting ideas in front of them, they can, they can be very, uh, you know, unnerving for a young child. They haven't reached any sort of sexual maturity, so I don't you know. Again, if the if the, the sexual content is appropriate, like I'm not expert in this area. My only expertise is as a parent, and as a parent, I fail many times a day. So, you know, well, we all do, yeah. The thing that, the, but the, the the thing that bothers me is if you even voice any concern about this. You, you get called. Oh, you're transphobic. <laughs> you're transphobic or you're homophobic or whatever. And by the way, I have no issue with young children being thought, you know, it's okay for Mary to love Mary or John to love John. That's perfectly fine. It's all very acceptable. I think where parents are drawing the line is, you know, like the kid in uh, Wales uh, who had the, the sex education program had to be closed down because the kid was chucked out of school because he said there was two genders and he wouldn't agree with the teacher that there was 87 or 94 or something like that. I don't know what it was. Look, like pe- people sometimes quote these big numbers to kind of try and make a, a mockery of it. The fact is that human beings are a sexually dimorphic species. And you can take someone and they can say that they are any number of these other genders. And when you, you know, dig up their remains in 200 years, you will say, yes, that was a human male. So, and and, the, and that's the, that's the bottom line, isn't it? Really, it comes down yeah, to it comes down to. to, to, so, to is, so, just finally, before I go to Maureen, and I have to go to John as well. Before, do you believe that sex is binary or gender is binary? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, in, that's pretty much the way I see it. I okay. don't think it's like if I identify as a seven foot tall man, I don't think that you have to accept that I'm seven feet tall, or and I don't think you're a hate crime if if you say that I'm not seven feet tall. And I don't want that every time you disagree with something that they call you one of the traffic names, which stands for transphobe, racist, authoritarian, fascist, ignorant, cretin, or a Karen. Mm. It's not unrealistic to respect the aspects of society that make us who we are and to try and love and accept other people, but maybe not to have a certain branch of the ideology rammed through your kids at a very young age. I just think there's a better way okay. to do it. Okay, listen, thank you very much indeed. I appreciate you coming on the air, Carl Dieter. Let me just go to Maureen and West Corp before I go to John Hearn. Maureen, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Niall. Great to hear you again during the day. Thanks very much indeed. I appreciate it, Maureen. Maureen, get, getting back to, I suppose, what they're learning in schools, do you accept that we have to teach children about certain things, that we're living in the real world, there are children who identify as whatever it happens to be, so we're living in the real world, so teaching young children at a young age to be acceptable of that is necessary? No, I don't. And I certainly don't believe in teaching young children what they are proposing to teach them. Now, I'm a grandmother. 
But my 11-year-old granddaughter knows perfectly well <clears throat> that a boy can't be a girl and a girl can't be a boy. Um, there was last year, my grandson, he's eight, he'll be nine in September, but I was collecting from school. And there was this wee boy in his class and he had long hair down to his waist. So my grandson comes along and says to me, oh, Nana, uh, that's a girl. And I said, oh, who, who's a girl? So he's on about this, this wee boy. Mm-hmm. So he kept this up. But I tell you, Niall, I stopped on the way home, walking with him. And I said, listen, I, I won't say his name just in case his mother will be listening. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, Would that you? is not a girl. I said, that is a boy. And who told you that? And he tried to he tried to keep it on, but I soon knocked that out of his head, and there wasn't another mention about it. Do you and think? Do you, okay, but okay. Do you think we're pandering? Do you think we're pandering to all of this too much when it we're comes pan- to sex we're education? Pandering, we are pandering, Niall. We're pandering to an agenda, and it's a vicious, vile agenda, and it is being pushed by the UN and the WHO. And because I've read the report, and it is absolutely shocking. Now they're wanting children to have sexual partners. And you and I know that children are inquisitive, which is a good thing to be inquisitive. Of course it is. Of course. But but, it's all, oh, it, but is it not also a good thing, and just to take the counter-argument, is it not also a good thing to, spl- to explain to young children, well, look, this is the real world. There are children that identify as different genders, be it non-gendered or binary or non-binary or whatever it happens to be. And, you know, and they're okay too. So, you know, don't call them names. You know, don't judge them. That's just the way they, they identify. <laughs> is that not what we should be teaching children too? That's up to me. It's up to parents or grandparents. If parents don't really, you know, some parents may find it difficult to talk to their children. Sometimes grandparents can do it, right? And I can do it. But what they're proposing to teach them in school is should not be taught to young children. They don't need to listen to this. Let children be children through primary school. They're going to have enough to deal with when they're going into secondary school or colleges where the real indoctrination is going to start. All right, Maureen, listen, thanks for that. I want to just very quickly, before we finish today, go to uh, a senior pastor of the All Nations Church, Dublin, and chairman of the Christian Voice Ireland, John O'Hearn. John, good afternoon to you. How are you? Good to be with you. Um, John, you're probably sick of all this kind of conversation now at this stage, I suppose, (laughs) to be honest with you. But um, realistically, the junior cycle uh, is going to be changing very quickly with the new sex education or SE bill. Um, The real changes won't happen to the primary school level till 2024, 25, probably. But already we're seeing aspects of it creeping in. And we're, of course, we're seeing it worldwide that the, the curriculum or the ethos is generally changing in the way we teach children about different aspects of sexuality. Do you agree with any of it? I don't, I'll be honest. I've I've five kids myself and um you know, as completely aside from being a, a minister, I mean we have hundreds of ch- children in our church, you know, and so I I feel a certain degree of responsibility for them as well. But um I, I just think it's it's very dangerous to the, the tangent the government has taken because they're they, they seem to be tone deaf to the uh, opinions of, of, of many people within this nation are deeply concerned about um, what's being taught because, you know, this whole trans ideology is damaging to kids because it's not based on faith, science or reality. Because but you, you, know, yeah, but, you can't, but you can't deny that people in this world exist who believe, oh, and for I, whatever yeah. reason, they're the opposite gender. Yeah, I, I, I accept that. I mean, I mean, you know, there was a headline, I think, in the, in the Independent where the Taoiseach himself said trans people exist and and that's fair enough, but I mean, there's lots of people exist, but we need to teach little children about this, and uh, particularly 
children that are very impressionable and, and, and open to suggestion. And um, I think that's that's part of the problem, I think, is that, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having parents coming to me who are deeply concerned about what their, their little kids are uh, going to be taught. And uh, I mean, I'm talking about six year old children. Um, where, where, you know, there's meant to be talk about sexuality and gender and these things, and it's completely inappropriate. Well, they they because, do want you know, to they they do want to bring in, um, you know, apart from LGBTQ plus and gender diversity, uh, in the future they also want to bring in you know, what they want to talk about is the removal of what they call heteronormative. Um, and I try to explain that. It's very difficult to explain that. In other words, yeah. that we don't suggest that being heterosexual is the norm, and that everything is the norm if you know what I mean. Well, I mean, you know, you can look back at tens of thousands of years of human history and that is the norm. And this is the problem is they're trying to deny yeah, but trans- But reality. transgenders did exist. You know, if you go back to Egyptian times, transgendered people or people who were who identified as different genders did exist. I mean, look, there's always been people who've been confused, you know. and So uh, you're saying transgenderism is confusion? Uh, absolutely, it is confusion. I mean, this basic chromosomal level is your male or female, and that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't believe you can identify as anything else. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean your sex has changed, because clearly, unless you're a fool, we all understand the biology between male and female. You're born with a penis or a vagina, essentially, or the, the capabilities yeah. of having a, a ch- children of reproductive organs of a female, etc., etc. But you can't, you can't, I suppose, deny that people growing up believe they're, well, whether you, whether scientifically or not, but it's been proven. But they believe they were born in the wrong body, um, and they believe they should have been female, and they want to act out their lives as female. And by the way, if they're over eighteen, should let them at it. I, I don't see an issue with that. Or do you see an issue with that? Well, I, I do actually. Yeah, I do. I do see an issue with regards to throwing women's sports open to. Okay, no, I, I think I think everybody has an opinion on that, and and particularly you know, when it comes to physically competitive sports, absolutely. I don't think anyone disagrees yeah. with that the idea that you would have a male swimmer competing against women, or a ma- male powerlifter, or a male rugby player, or a male boxer, or whatever any physical sport, because men generally are stronger than women. And that's just a general yeah, statement. Well, you're, you're dealing with objective reality there and scientific, scientific reality. And I think, you know, a society that decides that we can somehow throw that aside as, as irrelevant because we've evolved beyond that. Yeah, but but is, I, uh, I mean, I, I'm not disagreeing. I, I mean, I'm not even religious. I'm actually atheist, right? But I do have mm-hmm. moral values. And I, I consider myself probably to be conservative. I, I lean slightly to the right, yeah. probably, right? Um, and I understand and I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. But the one part that I will say is that this counter-argument that is, we do live in the real world. We live in a world, you know, where, you know, there are trans people who identify as trans or non-binary or whatever it is they identify as. Not my bag. Do what you want. You're 18 years of age, far away. I'm very concerned about children. I'm not going to lie to you. But that we have to say to children or teach children that people exist in the world that don't identify the way you do and just be respectful of that. Is that okay to do? Well, I mean, look, it's it's every parent's responsibility to teach their children to be respectful, and, and you know, any of, any person that's on social media at the moment is mindful of how, you know, respect is something that seems to have just gone mm. through the floor. People just attacking each other for based on skin color or based on all sorts of irrelevant issues, mm. and you know, that's I suppose that's another issue. Yeah. But I mean, I think respect is something that we've always taught for for human beings, and certainly it's something the Bible teaches is you know, the reality of, of respecting individuals. However, at the same time, you have a duty of care to impression the little children that, um, you know, to, to teach them things as as fact that are not based in fact and ideas that are, in my opinion, very dangerous. And, uh, and you know, I mean, this, the government okay, has always gone on about the, the new Irish and inclusion and yes. tolerance, but... 
certainly as a Christian, I would say there's a lot of, you know, Christians out there who feel that that it's anything but inclusive or, 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 or tolerant to their beliefs. Okay, well, well, do me a favor, stay there for a second, because I just want, before I finish up, I meant to wrap up five minutes ago, but Stephen uh, yeah. from Tala, Stephen, you're in Ireland's Classics, or Stephen, you're on the Nile Boyle podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop saying that. It's going to take someday. a while, isn't it? It is. Uh, Stephen, in relation to primary school children, you listen to the pastor there suggesting he doesn't agree with it. He doesn't agree with trans ideology being thought to children, you know, in primary school particularly. He thinks it's wrong and it's the parents' job, not the state's job, to teach children. Well, it is the parents' job fundamentally. But calling trans identity an ideology is a nice, neat little way of kind of making it sound like some mass conspiracy or, you know, plan to undermine the moral fabric of society. It's not an ideology. You know, it's not a faith system. Neither is sexuality or anything like that. So, well, sexual orientation you know, and tra- but, 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 but transgenderism and sexual orientation or being gay are two completely different things, right? I mean, a sexual orientation is that there's nothing you can do about your sexual orientation. I mean, the day you're born, it's decided for you whether you like it or that you're going to be attracted to men or women, and that's just fine, and everybody accepts that. But when we talk about well, trans, state, but I mean, no, no, no let's, let's would, not rule out the world. The ban conversion therapy, though. Oh well, I, well, let's not get into that. Uh, but in relation to transgenderism or identifying as different genders. I, I watched a, a short documentary last night which was meant to be sarcastic and it was about a man who identified as a female lesbian woman of colour. He was a white man and he identified as a mm. female lesbian woman of colour and people are supposed to respect that. I have no respect for that. That's bonkers. That man needs to go and see somebody. To, for a man, even, a even middle-aged I, man... with my points of, point of view and beliefs are kind of going, you're, you're trying to create a fucking fallacy, the whole notion of it. But look, but I respect, if somebody wants to identify as a woman, if a man wants to identify as a woman, fire away, you're 18 years of age, you do what you want, I couldn't care less, and I'm delighted for you. And if you want me to call you Sarah, I'll call you Sarah, I'm fine with that too, I'm okay with that. But it doesn't mean I have to believe and it. can Sarah go to the women's bathroom? No, Sarah can't go to the women's bathroom. That's just well, my then view. Sarah isn't Sarah. Well, 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 do you think it's fair, for example? And I know, um, what's the name of that swimmer? I can't remember her name in the US. She's one of the Leah big. Thomas. No, well, no, I wasn't going to refer to Leah. I was going to refer to Leah Thomas, but another swimmer, I can't remember her name, but she's a very famous swimmer in America and she's been beaten twice by Leah Thomas already. And she said she's now taken a complaint oh, because yeah. Leah Thomas walks into the women's changing room with his penis hanging out. That's unacceptable. Perfect, yeah. That's unacceptable. Why? Has she because, never seen a penis before? Because women deserve space, their own spaces. It's unacceptable. Riley Gaines is the name of the swimmer. Sorry, it just came to you. Riley Gaines. That's, yeah, it was in, I couldn't think of it either, but anyway. And, and Riley Gaines, um, by the way, is not some sort of transphobe that constantly campaigns all the time. Lately, she's been in the news a lot because she said, I find it unacceptable that a swimmer with a penis is walking into the women's bathroom or the changing rooms. She said, it's unacceptable. We deserve our private spaces. Do you not accept that? I think it, I think it is something that we, we're going to have to have a proper, in-depth, actual discussion about it without bringing in, you know, calling things transgenderism and ideologies and homophobes and transphobes and bioessentialists and all this other shite, and just say, listen, you know, we're all adults here. We're all used to seeing what a penis and a vagina look like. If it makes you uncomfortable, then what we can do is we'll just make cubicles in an entire room and everyone goes into a cubicle, everyone comes out of a cubicle and you don't have to see anything of anybody. End of. You know, it doesn't have to be a massive 
argument to say that one person with a penis can or can't go into one space that generally people who don't have penises go into. Okay. Well, that's another show. And maybe, Stephen, you'll go back on again and talk all about that. But in relation to sex education in schools and primary schools, at what age is it the state's responsibility to start talking to children about trans issues, LGBTQ plus issues, gender issues, uh, abortion issues, because abortion, obviously, is termination of pregnancy, is going to be taught mm. in schools as well. At what age 12, is that appropriate? I would say. 12. 12. Okay, so not, pr- in, so not primary school. Class. Yeah, you're in sixth class going into sixth year, or not first year, you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of 12-year-olds in first year. 12, mm-hmm. maybe 11, but certainly 12, because the majority of research into people questioning and understanding their identities, kids as young as 9 and 10 know that they're gay or bi or trans, you know, or at least are, are comfortable enough in themselves and certain enough in their identity to start telling people would that you they're Would you queer. accept, um, and I'm sorry for rushing everybody a little bit, but would you accept with the explosion of trans, certainly, or gender identification over the last two or three years that there's an <laughs> element of social contagion? No. I wouldn't call it social contagion because I would call, I would call it uh, an, ex, an exploration of their identities. And a lot of my friends have moved up and down and in and out of spectrums over the last couple of years, you know, and a lot of my friends are half my age. I'm 34 and I've had a lot of friends or a lot of school kids and things like that, that come into work with, uh, you know, they're all, a lot of them are moving up and down spectrums based on how they feel. Should a, te- should a teacher, the other question, they are. Okay, the other question that came up in the show as well, a um, teacher in the UK was fired, a Christian teacher, because she refused to use a they pronoun. She did agree not to use any pronoun at all, uh, but they wouldn't accept that, and she f- refused to use a they pronoun, and she lost her job. Is that acceptable? I think it's an unfortunate thing that the school couldn't find a better fucking compromise. But, I would agree. Know, I would probably the agree. Just, the okay, school but decided if it was going to be that much of an issue that they let her go. Okay, sorry, John, just very quickly, because I have to finish this up. According to Stephen, um, he's, there's a compromise there, 12 years of age. He accepts, you know, under that, probably too young, but they have a better, I suppose, logic and understanding of sexuality at twelve years of age. Would you accept that, John? Yeah. Well, I I don't know. I I think it's the parents' choice. I mean, and the parents' responsibility because nobody knows their child better than the parent. And you know, there's this idea of one size fits all. Well, I mean, there's obviously the the individual child, but also there's the belief and ethos of the family, which may be completely inconsistent. We're, lo- we're losing your line there. I mean, you're moving it out anyway. But, but I, I understand yeah. the point that you're making. I do understand the point that you're making. Yeah. I, just I, one, one I thing just I like to say, say if, just, the, if the yeah. parents... Okay. Sorry, go on. Yeah, just as a father of, of, of a 10-year-old girl, 11-year-old girl, sorry, I, I would not in any way be comfortable with men having access to a toilet when she's in there. No way. Or boys having access. Or boys yeah, who identify boys. Boys who identify as girls, guy who identify as girls. Yeah. Sorry, Stephen, yes. Biological men. Yeah. Stephen, you want to say something yeah. very quickly? No, what was the yeah, it was you know, the oh, I forget what I was gonna say, but in, in terms of access to the toilets and bathrooms and things like that, again, it's very simple. You just put a whole load of cubicles into a room and then it's a toilet that anybody and everybody can use. People are not going in to look at what's going on or stare under a, a door of a, a stall or something like that or, you know, walk into somebody else's stall with them and That's abuse nice. them, you know. Hang on, and I have to agree with John when you say, uh, Stephen, John said that's very naive of you to think that. 
There are individuals who take. I didn't say. I didn't say it doesn't happen. I didn't. I just say. I'm just saying that it is not what people are doing when they're going to the bathroom. Generally, well, I, I, I would. Whether they're male, female, trans, or anything like that. I'm not going to take that gamble with my child, particularly when she's a fine. Don't let them use any public toilet at all, ever. Period. So, so what? We should sacrifice the, 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 I suppose, the spaces of the majority for the for the minority. You make sure your child goes to the bathroom before they leave the house, and Uh, they hold on to it. Stephen, don't be so silly. Everybody is entitled to privacy and dignity. Yes, they are, including the trans kids. All right, listen, on that note, I'm going to have to wrap it up. Listen, thank you, John. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, I appreciate everybody joining us today. We were overwhelmed with the amount of calls and WhatsApps and messages we got. By the way, if you have any reaction to the show, you can WhatsApp us at any time if you want to get involved in any of those conversations that we're having Monday to Thursday right here on the Nile Boylan podcast. You can WhatsApp at 085 100 Don't forget, if you want to catch up and you don't get to see it live, you can pick it up in audio or video on the website, nileboylan.com. Or indeed, if you want to just grab the audio version, you can go out to Spotify or all the usual platforms. We normally have it up by the end of the day each day. Until then, we'll talk to you again tomorrow at 12. Enjoy the rest of your day. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube, and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 85 The Niall Boylan podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms.